Well, do keep that passage open in front of you as we continue our series in the Gospel of Mark. It's a very appropriate uh, passage considering the amount of gardening we, the whole group of us did yesterday at the second minister's residence. Uh, and I have to say I find it encouraging to know that despite the fact that there's many ways in which you can kill plants, some still survive and produce fruit. Uh, and sometimes that's what I hold on to. Let's pray before we look at God's word. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you that in your great mercy, uh, the Lord Jesus speaks and warns us of the dangers for those who are followers of his. And we pray that we would heed his warning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the great things about Christmas is Christmas leftovers. Uh, they're a beautiful thing, be it turkey, ham, chicken, cake, ice cream or pudding or whatever it is. Uh, it's tough work to eat all that food and... You often can't do it all on Christmas Day, so you just have to eat it again over the following few days. Uh, but the saddest thing after Christmas is also related to that, and that is the, the throwing out of the leftovers once they get beyond a certain point. The leftovers of the leftovers, if I can put it that way. After a few days, you decide, mm, I can't really risk this. This could be food poisoning if I keep eating this. Uh, it's been two weeks now, I really should not eat this, and you throw it in the bin. It's very sad to see beautiful food go to waste after Christmas. But there is actually a sadder sight, and that is to see God's word being thrown in the bin. The person who hears the message of Jesus, but it doesn't change them. And they soon stop believing it if they ever did in the first place. We might ask ourselves, how could someone do this? But actually it happens all the time. In fact, it's so common that Jesus told a parable all about it. It's called the parable of the soils or sometimes known as the parable of the sower. And it's the parable we're looking at today as we work our way through the Gospel of Mark. And we pick things up today in our message at verse 14 and the explanation of what this parable is all about. Have a look at verse 14 again with me on the big screen or in your Bibles. The farmer sows the word. So the first part of the explanation is that the word is what is being sown as seed. The seed represents the word. And the word here can also be translated as message or truth. That's the Greek word behind this word. Um, and that is indeed how we use the word word in English. Uh, you might say to someone, the word from head office is that Brian's going to get the chop. Sorry, Brian, if you're out there. Uh, or the word from the street is, you get the idea, that's a message, isn't it? It's a message. Uh, and it's the same here. This is referring to the message or truth of God found in Jesus. Uh, you could, uh, it, is the, it talks about the, 
the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus and importantly, what, what is it signifies? What's the implication of those things? What does Jesus achieve in all these things? That news is the message or the word. The gospel would be another way of putting it. Or the good news. And it is planted to people, planted in people, when it is spoken to people. Like a little seed planted in the ground. And friends, that tells us that when we, as God's people, pray for people to hear the word, the message of Jesus, or invite people to hear the message of Jesus, or even have like a simple God conversation with someone where they ask us why we trust Jesus and we talk about why we trust Jesus, all of that is pointing people towards this message, the word of Jesus. And it is a critical way in which we can be used by God to bring people to faith in Jesus, the faith that saves them. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of. In fact, in terms of significance, it is the most eternally significant thing that we can do in our lives is to help other people by sharing with them the good news of Jesus, by telling them the word. And then they can respond in one of four different ways. And Jesus works through those four different ways in the verses that follow. The first way to respond is in verse 15. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So the first response is represented by the path. That's the soil that we're talking about here. When you think about a path, a path is not so much concrete in the ancient world because they didn't have it. But the path was the place where they walked all the time. And if you walk on something all the time, it becomes compacted and hard. And so the seed lands on it and it doesn't go into the soil at all. It just sits on top. And then, of course, what do the birds do? They take it away. They come along and gobble it up. And this, he's saying, represents... The rejection of the message of Jesus by those who hear it. The immediate rejection. It's basically those who give a straight up, no, I'm not interested. Don't talk to me about this. And interestingly, their rejection is cast here in quite passive terms. You can see that in the, in the verse. That is, it is Satan that takes away the word. And this shows that the people who reject the message aren't quite as free as they like to proclaim they are. They aren't quite as independent of thought as they say they are. They reject the word because Satan takes it away from them. And friends, that should encourage us as we interact with people that sometimes that immediate, sometimes we get that immediate no and it's not down to our failure to explain the gospel. Uh, in a way that is persuasive or convincing. It is down to what is happening in their heart, their hardness of heart, which is actually a spiritual thing, which is caused by Satan. 
And that should encourage us because it's not about how badly we did something. We should keep telling people about Jesus because we don't know what soil they are. Uh, and so let me encourage you that when you get a strong no from someone, no, I'm not interested in going to church, that doesn't mean that it's your fault. It doesn't mean you've done a bad job necessarily. It could just be that Satan has come and taken the word away. Or it could be that it's just not the appointed time yet for them to believe. That's the other thing it might be. And so we can keep praying for that person and keep hanging in there, keep being friends with them, keep blessing them, and you never know what God will do with that. You never know. It could be that that seed may germinate. But even then, there's risk. Have a look at the next way of responding in verse 16. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So the second response is represented by the kind of rocky places. And the rocky places, are, it could be rocky in the sense of lots of rocks, or it could be rocky in the sense of, and we see this in Australia a lot, there's rock underneath and about this much of soil. And I can see a few gardeners nodding their head and going, yeah, I've got that. Okay. And that, that's hard to grow something there, isn't it? Because there's not much, well, there's nowhere for the roots to go. And of course, then the weather, especially when it hits 40 degrees or a day like yesterday, knocks around the plants. Yeah. And this soil represents those who accept the message of Jesus, but then they give up because of suffering or persecution. We could call them fair weather friends of Jesus or fair weather followers of Jesus. When suffering and persecution comes, they get out of there. They leave. And I'm sure you've seen people like this. The people who, even on the playground at school, don't want to be known as a follower of Jesus because of the teasing or sometimes worse that may happen. And it's the same in the workplace or in the football team or the netball team or wherever. The people who are hiding or even worse, wander away altogether because it's too hard to deal with what people are saying to them or in some places doing to them. They cease trusting or following Jesus because of the hard times, either suffering in their life or persecution. I wonder, friends, are you one of those people? Does this describe you? The third way to respond is in verse 18. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, 
and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So the third response is represented by the soil that has thorns in it, like the blackberry patches that we get down by the river here in Goldman. Have you seen those? They are epic blackberry patches, aren't they? I mean, there's not anything that grows in some of them. But even in you know, your suburban backyard or somewhere, you'll find blackberry patches where the thorns come in and they so crowd out everything else, there's almost nothing that can get through. This soil, the soil with the thorns in it, represents those who accept the message of Jesus, but other things become more important than Jesus. And so they drift away from Jesus to pursue other things. Their their response is all about letting other things take over their life so that trusting and following Jesus is not at the centre anymore. And it could be things like trusting in wealth which of course leads to the endless pursuit of a little more wealth. Because how much is enough? Just a little bit more. If you trust in wealth, that's the only answer that comes. Or it could be the problems of life. We're just so busy and our minds are so full of things that we don't have time for Jesus. And so our prayer life atrophies, withers on the vine. And reading our Bibles is struggles. Even meeting with God's people, we can find that we don't have time for that anymore. You know, it could even be good things that become more important than Jesus in our lives that can end up being a thorn. Something as good as family even or friendships can become a problem for our walk if they take over the central spot in our lives that should be reserved for Jesus. Literally anything could become more important than the message of Jesus and end up choking it out of our lives. And I'm sure you've seen people who used to be trusting and following Jesus, or looked like it, and then 10 years down the track, it's like a dream in their past. And they say to you, yeah, I used to go to church. I used to be really involved. But then my career took off. Well, then family stuff happened. Well, then, and you could put anything in there. Friends, it's always a good idea to, every now and then, ask ourselves some diagnostic questions. To just do a health check in this area. Questions like, What is it that I desire more than anything else? Or what is filling my hopes and my dreams? 
Or what is it that I think about all the time? What is it that I dream about? Or what is it that I talk about? Friends, the number one answer to all these questions should be, well, most of all, Jesus. And once that ceases to be the answer to those questions or the most prevalent answer, and something else is, whatever it is, then that should be flashing lights for us, should be alarm bells for us. We should be concerned that these things, even if they're good things, are becoming thorns in our lives. Thorns that may choke out the message of Jesus from our lives. So let me encourage you to ask those questions of yourself. It's good to do a regular self-diagnosis in this area. Because you know the thing about thorns and blackberry patches? They grow up slowly, imperceptibly, and then all of a sudden you go, ah, there they are. It happens slowly so that you don't even notice it. So it's good to ask those questions so that you notice the thorns before it's too late and it's choked out the message of Jesus in our lives. But there is one more soil type. Thank goodness. It's there in verse 20. You can see it on the screen. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. The last soil is the good soil. It represents those who accept the message of Jesus and then produce fruit. And that fruit may involve other people trusting in Jesus in time. But usually in the Bible, fruit is talking about godly character rather than leading other people to Jesus. Think like the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit in the Bible is a metaphor for often for good works or godly character. It is the life that has been changed by Jesus to be more like Jesus. If you want to think of it, it's a bit like someone who has been a convicted criminal, but who has now reformed. It's their keeping clean and contributing to society over a long period that shows true acceptance of a new way of life. In a similar way, Christians show they are a new creation by a changed lifestyle over a long period of time. Not a perfect lifestyle, let's be clear here. There's still going to be ongoing sin. We won't be perfect fully until the Lord Jesus returns or until we pass away and move on to glory and we're in heaven. Part of what makes heaven so amazing is that we are changed completely then. But it is a changed lifestyle where the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to conform us to the Lord Jesus in our character. 
Now, this lifestyle is more than simply enduring as Christians, though that's a good thing. It's more than simply continuing to come to church, though don't hear me argue against that either. Uh, It's to be more and more like Jesus every day and grow in godliness and good works. This is the life that is represented by the good soil. So the obvious question you get to at the end of a passage like this is to ask ourselves, what soil am I? What soil am I? Are my paths, rocky, thorns, or good soil? Now, I think we'd all probably want to put our hands up and say, I want to be good soil. We all want to endure as followers of Jesus and grow to be like Jesus. But I wonder this morning, which of the other soils is your danger soil? The one that you feel most susceptible to becoming. So let me encourage you as an exercise today, that when you chat after the service or at morning tea, that you ask each other, Which of the other soils is your danger soil? Which of the other soils is your danger soil? And you can, of course, share what you think your danger soil is. And then have a conversation about how to avoid being those soils. For the Lord Jesus gave us this parable for those who trust and follow Jesus. He gave us this so that we might be warned about what could happen, what could go wrong. And the important thing about warnings is to read them and then be aware and make sure that you are safe and fruitful. So let us talk about these things. Think about these things. Pray about these things. Which soil am I most susceptible to? What's my danger soil? And what can I do about that? Those are great questions to be asking ourselves.